Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Mind Valley podcast. I'm sitting here with Joel Brown of the famous and popular blog, Addicted to Success. So let me tell you what we're going to be talking about today because I think you guys are going to find this absolutely fascinating. Joel Brown, eight years ago, was catching snakes in an Australian desert. He would take videos from YouTube, extract the audio, put it up on his iPod, and listen to it as he was roaming around in 40 degree centigrade, that's 130 Fahrenheit heat, catching snakes. But in that process, he started creating a vision for his life. Now, flash forward eight years later, Joel's living the dream. He created a blog where he was offered $1.2 million for his blog. He said no, and he's gone on to turn that blog into sort of a personal growth mini media empire that allows Joel to travel across the world. He's living in a beautiful island right now and basically doing what he loves. But what Joel is going to share with you in this podcast is how we got there. And it has to do with the concept of the 10-year vision, with really pushing yourself to see and imagine and visualize what type of life you want to lead 10 years from wherever you are now. So if you want to go from catching snakes in the desert to living the dream, you're going to find this conversation fascinating. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. Joe, firstly, that's an incredible rise. I mean, you basically went from a snake catcher in Australia to who you are today. That's the equivalent of going from being a fry cook in McDonald's in the United States <laughs> to living the type of life you lead in a quick span of eight years. So the question which you know everyone is wondering is. How'd you do it, man? What was the approach? What was your tactics? What methods are you going to teach us where people who have those crazy dreams they want to chase can start working on them? Right. I mean, that's such a loaded question. We could go in so many different ways. But what I'd say is this. I'd say, as I share this, my goal in this conversation is to lead those that are listening to a place where they are courageous enough to follow their dreams. Because the day that I saw the vision and it was so real to me was the day that I built that courage to live a life of no excuses. Let me ask you this for a second. You said the day you saw the vision. Now, a lot of people have difficulty figuring out what is that vision for their life. So how did you see it? Were you very clear on who you wanted to be and the type of life you wanted to lead? Was it coming to you in bits and pieces? It was eight years ago. I was sitting in a room. Okay, It was a conference room. I was working for a sales company at the time. I worked my way up the ladder in corporate. I was reading all the Grant Cardone sales books and you know Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I was getting right into self-development and increasing my sales. So I was invited into this exclusive workshop with a guy by the name of Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. That Jordan Belfort. Not Leonardo DiCaprio, but the original Wolf Right, of Wall the guy Street. who inspired the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yes, yes. 
And so that day, he asked me three really powerful and important questions. He asked me, Joel, what are you good at? That's the first one. The second one is, what do you love? And what solution will you bring to the world? The question I had to ask myself on top of that is, how can I make money from my answer that follows? And so that day, I was challenged by Jordan to really write out a 10-year vision. He asked me, what would the ultimate version of you look like 10 years from now? And then he challenged me on my identity. What identity would you have to hold right here, right now, not tomorrow, not next week, next month, or next year? What would you have to hold today to step into that vision sooner? I'm writing a book on vision right now, and I'm doing a lot of research around it to really put it in great words. And he asks, how can you achieve your 10-year vision in six months? What would you have to do to achieve it in six months? And so I got really clear on what my 10-year vision was. I started with the 10th year. I wasn't attached to it. I was excited about it. I wrote it out. And remember, it was a little bit tough in the beginning. I was writing down bullet points of some things that I'd love to achieve. And I was writing it in present tense. This is the key. Writing it as if you were already there. You know, I am living in Santa Monica, California. I have a beautiful family with three healthy children. I am running a multi-million dollar company in the Palisades. We turn over $2.5 million a year and give 20% of it away to charity. You know, so wow. this is the kind of that, the details really are going So you were writing that down. That was a 10-year vision. You wrote that down eight years ago. This is an example. That's an example. <laughs> so how close are you to achieving that 10-year vision? Now in year eight, have you hit it all? Are you there? Are you at 150%? Are you at 80%? Great question. I was interviewed two years ago by a guy by the name of Peter Vuk, who wrote the book Six Months to Six Figures. And he asked me, Joel, where are you in your 10-year vision? And I checked in and I had every year, but I really checked in and went in on it. And I said, mate, we're six years in and I'm 90 to 95% already at my 10-year vision, That's right? Incredible. That's the power of a vision. It disciplines you. It chooses your friends for you. It teaches you what to say yes to and what to say no to. Okay, that is a really powerful phrase. It disciplines you. It chooses your friends to. It teaches you what to say yes to and what to say no to. Yeah. Okay, that's something you would put in a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's the law of intention. Right, right, right. Okay, so the first step is the three questions that Jordan Belford made you ask yourself. Can you repeat those three questions for us? What are you good at? What do you love? And what solution will you bring to the world? Got okay, it. but you need to make sure your values are in this. If your values aren't in it, it's probably because you're adopting somebody else's values rather than owning your own, okay? Because your power lies within your values. If I was just to go out there and say, well, I want to build this company because I want these you know, external things, and they weren't true to me, right? They weren't my truth. They weren't in line mm-hmm. with my values. I'm constantly looking for the external to motivate me, right? Podcasts are great. Videos are great. I mean, Addicted to Success is the number one motivation website, right? There's great content on there, but that's only half mm-hmm. the way there, right? So really aligning with your values means that you are in spirit. You are inspired from within. You don't need the external to light you up. Mm-hmm. That's like me going to bed at night and just really peed off that I have to go to sleep because I'm loving the dream and living it. And then I jump out of bed in the morning ready to start my day fired up because I'm living congruent with my values. And so I need to make sure, and so do you, if you're listening to this, make sure that you have your values. Identify them, your top three to top five values. Make sure they're in there. You know, I've been refining this 10-year vision process myself. I don't believe in grabbing all these things from textbooks and saying, this is how to do it. I cheat. I only speak about what I know and what I've lived, right? My wisdom, that's what I speak about. So a couple of questions for you so we can refine this process because I'm finding this fascinating. 
What were some of the values you identified? Business, self-development, and contribution. Okay, now business, that seems odd as a value. What does that mean? Creating. Got it. So you wanted to create a business, you wanted to contribute, and you wanted to be immersed in self-development. Got it, and I can see how that might lead to the idea you had, addicted to success. Now let's go into your 10-year goals. Now, so eight years ago when you started, you said you were a snake catcher, but you also mentioned you were in sales. Were you catching snakes on the weekend while working a phone on Monday to Friday? How did that work? Great question. So after I mapped out this 10-year vision, mm-hmm. and then Jordan had me stand up in front of everybody and declare my 10-year vision, like to read it out powerfully. He's like, read it again, read it again. Like I had to keep saying it until the room was convinced that I actually right. meant it and felt it on a cellular level. And then I moved to a place where I had to start making decisions, right? Because so often what we do is, and I say we because I know so many people I coach have gone through the same experience or going through it. And you probably are right now if you're listening to this. So often we live more in reward than responsibility. And what happens is our world starts crumbling around us if we're distracted by the reward all the time. And then when we're, it's time to shift into responsibility, we crap ourselves because we're like, oh no, I need to get responsible in my life, whether it's your taxes or hiring or firing, whether it's something really important to build your business and create you've been putting off. So when we're in it, we have to be in it longer. Therefore, we feel like we can't have the reward for so long. And that's why so many people collapse with their businesses because they've been putting off the things that they should be responsible for. I had to ask myself a question. Okay, what are you responsible for now, Joel, in order to live and fulfill that 10-year vision? And what I needed to do, and I knew it, I saw it. I said, I need to double my income rapidly so I can start investing in self-development more, so I can pay for mentorship. I was all about going to the people right at the top. I wanted to learn from the best. Dr. John Martini, Les Brown, Grant Carter, and I went to these guys because I knew that they were the best at what mm-hmm. they did. And so I'm all about, you know, shortcutting and running to a place in an effective way and working with strength for strength and working with powerful figures. So I invested my money in that. But what I had to do was I had to leave my sales job, which was, to be honest, was kind of cushy. I was getting really good at it, but I was hitting this roof, this ceiling, right? And I had to break through that upper financial limit. And I decided to work up north in the deserts of Western Australia, which was double the amount of income, but it was torturous. It was 28 days straight. It was 130 degree Fahrenheit weather for all the Americans. Wow. It was like 40 something for Australians and Canadians. And, you know, I was working 28 days straight and having five days off, but I would work 12 hour shifts, knock off, go eat dinner. And then I'd spend another four hours working on the dream, writing blog articles. I'd write four or five articles a day and just keep pumping and pumping because I knew that I had to create content first. I knew that I had to build community. I knew that I had to drive people around it. And I I needed to make a brand that was magnetic and that had an edge and that truly cared about our visitors and our users. So how did that work? You'd go have dinner, you'd take four hours and write four blog articles in four hours. Then you'd go to bed, wake up and continue catching snakes in 40 degrees Celsius, 130 degrees Fahrenheit for 12 hours straight. Yes. Why did you do that to yourself? I mean, the catching snakes part. <laughs> well, that was the only way I could get into working up north. I dropped out of high school. I dropped out in year 11. I was 16 years old. Uh-huh. I got pretty bullied in school. Particularly in my grade, there were a group of guys that would go around picking on everybody. And I was learning kickboxing and capoeira, the Brazilian martial arts. And I found it in myself to, I don't like injustice, right? So I'd walk around and be, hey, Stop picking on these guys. They pick on the Asians or the overweight people or the nerds. And I would go in and step in. And after a while, they saw it as a challenge. So I got bullied every day for years. And eventually it ate away at me. I got into a huge fight. 
I had to go to court and everything, and then I ended up leaving school. I fell behind in my grades. You don't have a high school degree? No. So without a high school degree, one of your few job options was to catch snakes. Right. I see. Now, that's a powerful lesson over there. Firstly, it sounds like you literally went through hell. I mean, 40 degrees centigrade and snakes. <laughs> that's sort of a movie picture definition. Entrepreneurship is pretty easy after that. <laughs> right, right, right. But what I find fascinating about your story is that you completely self-educated yourself. And maybe, do you think that was an edge? Do you think the fact that you didn't really complete the traditional schooling system that you had to figure it out on your own and thus you shortcutted your way to success? I wasn't meant for school. I really wasn't. Like, I could not wait to get out. And as soon as I stepped out of school, I went and started hustling. I started making music. I was producing music and managing songwriters and producers. Ended up inking a deal under a subsidiary label under Atlantic Records. And I flew out to America at 21 years old. I was running a radio show and working with major label recording artists like Usher and Nelly at and Pitbull. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was funny. I actually, I'm mentored by Dr. John Martini. And we sat down, this was about a year ago, and he asked me, Joel, what is your superpower? And what is your superpower? Well, I had to think back. I've created five businesses. First one started at seven years old and up until today. And I looked back and he said, there has to be a pattern. There's something you keep doing. And what I realized when he asked me that and we dug deep was that I have a superpower in networking with others. Like when I see two people, I can just see the opportunity. It's so clear as day, like I'm like, I know how to create a win-win in this. I can see an opportunity. I know how these two people can create. And I know how I can create something with them. I'm always looking for those opportunities. And when I look at Addicted to Success, you know, we have a successful podcast with 2.4 million plays and downloads. Every guest that I've had on, especially the A-list guests like Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Gary Vaynerchuk, Lisa Nichols, I've always found ways to create value for them And in turn, they featured on my podcast, which in turn builds a credibility with my brand, Addicted to Success, and also my personal brand as Joel Brown. I had mentorship from these people. They mentored me before and after my podcast episodes, and I didn't realize that till later. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm learning all these incredible things that people pay tens of thousands of dollars for from these mentors. So I want to go back to two things, which I think are sticking points for people. Number one, the 10-year vision. That becomes a sticking point. How accurate, how crystal clear were you in your 10-year vision? Like, did you write down, I'm running a podcast, I'm interviewing Lisa Nichols and Deepak Chopra, I'm living in Bali? It expanded, absolutely expanded. Because just remember, eight years ago, I was writing it with the mindset that I had in that current time. And you know this too. I mean, look what you're doing with Mind Valley here, right? It's expanded to a level that you probably never imagined, even though you aimed close to it, it probably expanded even more, right? And that's because we continue to learn and grow and evolve. I'm forever a student in the student chair of life, right? And so my mindset expanded and so did my vision. And But my vision definitely facilitated the growth because it helped me to create certainty in my life. We're never going to be 100% certain, but I liken it to imagine a lava pit in front of you and it's a 10 meter by 10 meter lava pit and you have one big stepping stone that's three meters away and then another one three meters away from that and you've got to try and jump across to get to the other side. Now, if you in your mind, you go, well, my vision without writing anything down is I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Right, that's still kind of scary, right? right? You have a lot of uncertainty still around it. But when you start mapping out in as much detail as possible, start getting clear with the numbers, where you're going to live, how it's going to feel, getting into as much detail as possible, now you're creating these tiny little stepping stones everywhere, all over that lava pit. So when you jump, 
boom, 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 boom. Now I'm not as scared. I'm brave. I'm more courageous in jumping across to get to the other side. So that's just to paint a visual for you on how this works. Right. And that's brilliant. And that so correlates with what we're doing with Lifebook. I just saw on my Facebook memory from something I wrote in April 2010. As we're recording this, it's April 2018, so eight years ago. Yeah, right. And I was saying, I just attended this thing called Lifebook, and it was amazing, something along those lines. But at that Lifebook seminar, that was essentially what John and Missy Butcher got me to do. I created this really detailed map of what I wanted my life to look at. And what happened is within six months, the idea for AFEST came to me. And all of a sudden, all of these crazy ideas I put down that I could see no way of accomplishing from being friends with some of the world's most inspiring people, being able to live, take my kids and stay in some of the most exotic and amazing hotels in the world, to be able to travel as part of my job, to be able to get on stage. I wasn't speaking on stage back then. All came together and gelled together when I started writing this down, right? Now, I give this advice to a lot of people and this debate emerges. And I wanna get your view on it. And that debate is, how much of that is happening because of these thoughts create reality idea? And how much is happening because of, you know, what one might say, the reticular activating system of your brain? Yeah. When you give it a direction, it figures things out. What are your views? Is this mystical? Is this law of attraction? Or is this the hustle? Yes, yes, yes. I love that you went there because I understand the fundamentals of the law of attraction. Okay, I get it, right? And there is a lot of validity in it because we've got to match that frequency if we want to be able to step into that space, right? I also believe in the law of intention, which I believe to be even more powerful rather than kind of waiting and it coming in, calling it in. It's what if you called it in, but also went to it at the same time. We're going to get there a lot faster. It's going to be more powerful and more effective. So there's something about someone that comes in and beelines and walks straight in the room with a smile and shakes your hands. Hey, I'm Joe, nice to meet you. Well, there's something about that person, right? Most human beings admire someone like that because most people aren't confident in who they are. So the vision first and foremost helped me to build my own confidence in the direction of my life. So if we say like values are like the compass of your soul, I would say that the vision is like the taking off and the landing strip for your life, okay? You know where to start from and you know where you're heading. And what I love most about a vision is that it really like lightens your life and gives you something to look forward to rather than going, who am I right now? I focus more on who I can be, mm -hmm. right? I'm living in potential as often as possible. Not every day because we have our ups and downs, but as often as possible. And it's like walking into a room, imagine the lights off and I pull my iPhone out and I put the torch on. I can only see so far in front of me. The vision is like going and switching the light switch on, okay? And seeing the room lit up. Now I know where to walk. I'm not going to bump into things as much. It's still be clumsy from time to time, right? I like that. But I can see more of the bigger picture. And the thing too is as you complete your vision, it gives you feedback, which I love, right? I can see that I'm making great progress. And we as humans are uh, always focused on how do we grow? I don't know anyone that is stagnant that is happy. And so the vision constantly gives me feedback that I'm growing and I'm progressing. It gives me something to look forward to. So when you wrote this down, your 10-year vision, was it 10 bullet points? Was it an entire A4 page? What did that look like? It initially was around 20 bullet points. Mm -hmm. And then it expanded into two pages and three pages and four. And then I started to cut it back and refine it so it was more powerful and effective. Now, and this is my second question. Now, you also hinted earlier that you didn't just set a 10-year vision. You worked backwards. You set a 9, 8, 7, yeah. and backwards, yeah. right? Can you give us an example of what that might look like? Like, what did you put in a 10-year line and what would that look like 
on the five-year line. So this is the thing. It's tough for a lot of people in the beginning. It can be challenging because it's about getting it out of your head and onto the paper. So when I wrote out my 10-year vision in the beginning, I'm writing my book right now on vision, okay? And I've tested this with hundreds of my clients, got amazing results. And the way that I explain it to them really helps them with this process. I call it the skeleton, okay? So when you jump in and you put the bullet points, that's your skeleton, okay? Just the core things. Then the second stage is once you've taken a break from that and you come back, we hit the meat, okay? So the meat is getting a little bit more specific, okay? Getting a bit more descriptive on what it looks like, how it feels, where you'll be located, what accolades you achieve, what material things you have in your life, type of people you want to surround yourself with, what kind of values you have in. And then we come back later and add the skin to the vision to complete the body of your vision. And the skin is the super fine details, right? It's like the leaves on the tree. How super fine do you get? Very specific with numbers, very specific with the color of the house, what the interior looks. Can you give us some examples? I want to hear what you put down so I can decide if I like that and I can put that down on my vision board. I want to copy your vision. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so one of the specifics that I really put down was I never aspired to have a company with hundreds of employees like you have with Mind Valley, okay? My values are slightly different in a sense where I do really value the freedom and I have hired four people for my company. And so I was very specific on having four people by the 10th year and I'm already there. I might even have more, okay? Because I've grown to understand that I need more skills that I need to bring in. But I went down to the T of like, what kind of characters do I want to bring in the company? What skills would they have? How much would I pay them? What would the goals be financially for them? What departments would they work in, right? So now we're getting right down to the finer details. Okay, what kind of values would they hold? Where would they live? Where would they be located? And as you know, with your vision, it's not always going to be 110% on the mark. It may change and shift. But now what happens is you have a better idea of what to look out for. Like I was offered a six-figure deal with a big figure in the self-development space. Mm -hmm. Great guy, amazing guy, learned a lot from him. He wanted to partner with me to do a six-figure deal where we went 50-50 on a partnership, promoted his products. But I had to check in on my vision. When I did, I saw the values and I saw there was incongruencies. He's very much so about wealth, money, 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 like that. And I looked and I looked at some of the other values and I thought, you know what? little bit similar, but they aren't in line with my values. And if I did this, it would sidetrack me with my vision. Mm-hmm. And okay, that's why so the values question right. becomes so important. For sure. For sure. Right? So values, essentially, we are evaluating things all the time. When someone asks us a question, that's where the word values comes from. Evaluate. You're evaluating in your mind. We have a hierarchy of millions or trillions of values. But I check in with my top three to top five values. Now, if you can surround your life with your top three to five values as often as possible, you will experience more fulfillment. So I know the sacrifice because I've lived in the opposite. I mean, I've been in the desert handling snakes and I've been in crappy relationships when I know that I was compromising on my values, right? I was attracted to them and we had this sexual thing, but really they weren't aligned with where I was heading with my business or anywhere in my life with my beliefs or whatever it may be. So You've got to really align yourself with your values. You've got to be congruent. Do you ever get into the situations where, you know, things seem too challenging or too hard or too stressful and you like toss over a table and you go, fuck this, I want to go back and handle snakes? (laughs) Never. You could not pay me enough to go back to a day job. I'll tell you that. Seriously, like I would fight skin, tooth, hair and nail to not go back to a nine to five. So tell us about your life right now. 
What's going on? What are some of the things you're truly excited about? Now, the reason I'm asking this is, is a really important question. This isn't about just getting to know you. Yeah. This is about seeding each other's vision, right? I find that one of the great things about looking up to mentors or reading autobiographies or listening to this podcast is when you see how other remarkable people are living their lives outside the rules of the culture scape. Yeah. It gives our listeners data points that they can put in their tenure vision. Right. What are some of the exciting things you're experiencing right now that other people can write down as things they want to experience too? And folks, I want you to pay close attention to this. Remember, there's no monopoly on dreams. So if you hear Joel talk about something that excites you, feel free to write this down in your life book or in your three most important questions or in your 10-year vision. Yeah, I think it's such a great challenging thought because one thing we need to be careful with just with this question, I would say is like, make sure that you're not adopting values and make sure that you're defining what success truly means to you. And this goes into the chasing freaking unicorns. I call it chasing unicorns. So many people chasing these things that they think it's like the allure of the riches or allure of the dream, which was never meant for them. I believe we were brought into this world. We came from non-existence into existence for a reason. Our life is not meaningless. You know, we're here to share our gifts, to collaborate, to create something beautiful for the future and to continue to advance, right? And so if we are constantly living outside of what we're really truly here to do, our purpose, then we're wasting not only our time, but the world's time. So let's go back to chasing unicorns because it's an important idea on how, yes, it makes sense to listen to you, Joel, and hear about your incredible life or the lives of Marie Folio, or as you put it, the lives of Gary Vaynerchuk or the lives of Elon Musk, all of these people who are living these epic lives, but to understand that what you ultimately put down is possibly not a direct replica of that, but has to be aligned with your values, your feelings, your emotions, and where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people don't think hard enough. They don't sit down, they don't put pen to pad, they don't write out a strategy for their life. And so by default, you're going to subconsciously just go and grab somebody else's definition of success instead of truly defining what it means to you. Just imagine, like, if you could live in your potential as often as possible, what would your life look like? What would the ultimate version of you look like, right? So, so many people don't think that way, they just adopt. So what will happen is if you adopt somebody else's definition of success, if you work hard enough, I believe you will reach that level of success in your way, but you'll reach it, right? And what will happen then is this, you get there and you'll celebrate and you go, this is awesome. And you go, well, what's next, right? Everything's so fleeting, right? So you will, you'll be like, what's next? The second thing that happens is you will sit there and go, man, I don't have another vision. You have to create another vision that shadows the last to feel this sense of meaning and purpose. And so many people I know have gone and chased the riches and a number of people I know have the Rolls Royces, the Bentleys, the Phantoms. Now, did you find yourself in that situation? The fact that you're bringing up chasing unicorns probably means that at some point you made that mistake. Absolutely. What unicorn did you chase? Well, I did it in a way with Addicted to Success. I didn't fully go super aligned with just one person's definition of success, I didn't truly define what success meant to me. And sometimes we have to start experimenting and trialing it out and connecting and being part of community and actioning until we find our footing in where we're supposed to head. And what I did was I had a very hedonistic view. I went after the money because I wanted to make enough money to leave my day job and invest in my business. But now that I'm in a place where I feel like I'm good with my finances and everything's managed well there, 
I remember we raised money with our Pencils of Promise. We raised $53,000 in a matter of two weeks with the Addicted to Success community to build schools for children living in poverty in Laos and Southeast Asia. And I remember going to Laos that day when we opened the school and seeing these little kids that have these new school clothes and they put their backpacks on, they're jumping up and down. Man, I was crying. Like I was genuinely tearing up because I was like, man, these kids are so eager to learn. And we're in the Western world so often they're like, oh, I gotta go to school. You know, and I just saw how much of an impact it had in that village. The parents came around. Everyone was so excited that there was this new school there and that there was a hope for their future. And so I don't believe, like, I'm not fully supportive of the education system. I definitely believe there's things that needs to change for right. sure. It's uh, a little bit backwards, but I truly believe that, so you know, you mature the in the process. You were chasing the unicorn. You got obsessed with money. But what you found was that what was bringing you happiness were these projects you were doing, such as building schools in Laos. I needed to lean more in contribution. So that's really interesting. But now what I want you to do is to just share a couple of glimpses of some really cool things in your life that you think some other people might want to, you know, just think about. Like, for example, when we were having lunch yesterday, you mentioned to me how you're now living in Changu, Bali and how beautiful it is to work in this incredible low-cost environment where you can afford a giant manor have these rice fields in front of you, be living in nature. And that sparked an idea in my head. I was thinking about taking a holiday to Bali. So I'd love to just have you toss within our mind little sprinkles of Joel's visions that we might want to plant as seeds in our own garden. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Often we live in destruction Mm -hmm. or we're dancing in between creation and destruction. We're kind of stagnant. So I often challenge my mindset and go, am I in creation today? Mm-hmm. So many people aren't, right? So I ask, what would I love to create? What kind of environment would I love to create? And where do I need to go to be in that? I was living in Sydney before I moved out to Bali. I was paying around $6,000, $7,000 a month. I'm in Bali paying $3,000 a month in a mansion with a rice field. And in Sydney, I was in a little apartment. It was okay. It was wow. good, but it wasn't. That's so that's crazy. a good thing to think about in your 10-year vision, I guess. Location. Yeah. What kind of life do you want to live? Do you want to wake up and drink smoothies? Do you want to have a great routine for you to go to the gym and wake up at 6 a.m. looking over beautiful rice fields? Do you want a business with 100 employees or do you want to go to a tropical island? I mean, I wouldn't... Whoa, whoa, now you're making me feel bad there. (laughs) Well, I'm contrasting, right? Because we all have different values and visions. (laughs) Right, but honestly, like I've just seen it over and over again. It's been reinforced in my mind and even throughout my vision and the feedback that I've seen that life can absolutely get better. And it's not about the things that you have, it's who you've become in the process. Like you get to take you everywhere you go, right? Your skills as a public speaker, as a businessman, as a human being, like I see you, Vision, you're great at connecting with people. You make yourself accessible to your employees. I would say that's one of the reasons why you're so successful in what you do, right? You're not too big enough for everybody else. You haven't put yourself on pedestals. So these things are really important. Right? This is what allows you to move through life in a powerful way. And I think that, like, think about what do I need to do? What moves do I need to pull? How can I be more responsible in my creation so that I can have more in my life? And sometimes there are these little missions that you need to go on. It's not easy, but it's absolutely worth it when you put in the action. Beautiful. I love that, Joe. Any closing words for our audience? I would just leave them with this question. If you doubted your fears instead of doubting your dreams, imagine how much in life you'd accomplish. Doubt your fears. Call bullshit on your fears. That's something to think about. Yeah. Joel, thank you for joining our Mind Valley podcast. Where can people find out and learn more about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at I am Joel Brown. 
I'm on Addicted to Success. It's Addicted, the number two success. And that's a phenomenal blog, folks. You want to check that out. Thank you. And we have the Addicted to Success podcast as well. And I just filmed for Impact at Work with Mind Valley. Right. So if you guys who are part of Mind Valley membership will have access to that. Yeah. Mind Valley Academy. It's the real deal. I jump in, I watch all the videos. I'm learning from Jim Quick, Super Brain. Your consciousness engineering program is incredible too. So thank you for everything that you do. Thanks, Joe. Good to have you here. So guys, a couple of key takeaways over there. Remember the three questions from Jordan Belford. Could you repeat those questions, Joe? What are you good at? What do you love? And what solution will you bring to the world? Not could you, will you? Oh, I like that. I like that little tweak. And then your values. Anything you want to add on values? Yeah, don't shortchange yourself on your values. Really sit with it because that's where all your power lies. And don't adopt other people's values or compromise on your values for the sake of relationship or appeasing others, right? This is that whole people pleaser thing that shows up. So just make sure it is absolutely coming from what your soul is speaking into and you'll live a more powerful and directed life. And then go ahead and start listing down your 10-year vision and it becomes a working document, I guess, that you can keep adding to. Yes, yes. You know, I've interviewed hundreds of successful people and what I've found is that there are underlying patterns. When I hear them speak, I'm writing it down and noting it out. I'm hearing underlying patterns of things that they've implemented in their life that has helped them to become successful. And what I've broken it down to after interviewing hundreds of people is that they have these four dimensions of excellence, I call it. We have values, okay? So you got your values first and foremost. They're aligned with their values. The second dimension is beliefs, okay? And that's what I call the ready. You need to be ready in your mind. Now, when it comes to your 10-year vision, what would you have to believe about yourself to be living effectively in that 10th year at your highest level? So for example, if let's say I want to be a speaking all over the world and a best-selling author, okay, you would have to be an articulate speaker. You'd have to be charismatic. You'd need to believe that you are a great writer, a compelling writer. And then we have the third dimension, which is habits, okay? That's the willing part. Habits are your energy bolts of action that you take each and every day to inch you closer to success, okay? That's the swing in the axe right. at the tree. And it can be the unsexy, uncool part because it just requires consistency. But make sure that you are implementing the habits in your vision that you need to be executing in that year. What kind of habits would it have to be? Would you have to be working out every morning to be on top of your game? Would you have to be writing to-do lists the night before? Would you have to be meditating or praying? Would you have to be implementing self-development studies? And then the fourth dimension, which is the final one, which is so overlooked, is skills. And I don't just mean mechanical skills, I mean emotional skills too, right? So that skills part is able. So we look at beliefs, habits, skills, ready, willing, and able, okay? Skills, able, What skills would you have to hire or acquire to be able to be playing at the highest level in that 10th year, 9th year, 5th year, 4th year, okay? Make sure you list that down and this is going to help you supercharge your vision process. And there's a hell of a lot more to it and you'll find it in my book at the end of this year when it finally comes out. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And so go forth, folks, and create your 10-year vision. It's a powerful exercise. And it reminds me of this quote. It's often attributed to Bill Gates. But the quote is, most people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in 10, right? And so whatever you write down as your 10-year vision, remember, you're probably going to be underestimating just what's going to be possible. So you might want to stretch it, pull it, push it a little further. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Vision.